Well, why don't we uh, just do a quick prayer, mainly for myself, and then we can get started. So, Father, we come before you, and we thank you for those songs that John led us in, and truly how great you are, and how our soul can truly sing because of what you've done. And so, Lord, I just pray as we open up the word tonight, would it be of a refreshing word of encouragement to refresh us on a busy weekday where I know many of us have been at work. I know people are struggling through different things, whether it be ailments or spiritual or emotional, but that we're in the house of the Lord tonight, and that's where we can hear from you as uh, a family of God. And so we thank you for this opportunity in this country that we have the freedom to still come and openly declare the love of Jesus Christ. And may we never take that for granted. And we just pray you would speak to us and uh, that we would just be ones to hear the word of God and let it affect our hearts. And we pray these things in your name. Amen. Well, just to give you a quick insight, if I have a hat on and I look messy, I literally rolled into town at 7.05. And John, I was trying to call you. This has never happened to me. I literally forgot my phone passcode and locked myself out of the phone. And I called my wife, who's coming over from Grants Pass, and she just said I was a dummy for forgetting. <laughs> so she called Raina, and Raina, thank you so much, knows my passcode. So thank you, Raina. Don't know if it did any good besides just knowing that I have a terrible memory at a young age. So. Uh, I was trying to call John to say, I am coming, because I called him earlier said, hey, is it at 6 or 7? So you get to see how prepared I am, uh, running back from our office from the valley and uh, trying to do that. So I made it. So thank you guys for being here, too. Or you might not be, <laughs> you might be like, why did we come? I'm hoping that's not the case. So uh, I do have a word to share. Psalms, if you can open up to Psalms 40, and maybe I will take this over here. And we also get to have a, a great relaxing sound of a massager going on in the back. It's actually a floor buffer behind us. But that's kind of calming, and maybe it'll help you guys rest. Um, you know, Psalms is very encouraging to me. It's one of those things where when I've just had a long week or a long day, it is, a, it is truly a book in the Bible that I can open up, and I would say every time be refreshed in. Uh, David had a heart after, after God. We know he was a man after God's own heart. We know that David also went through many things in his life. And one thing I see about David throughout his life is whether it was someone causing pain in his life or he caused pain in others' lives, at the end of it, he would always come back to the Lord. And if I could share one thing even tonight, no matter what you've done in your life, what you will do in your life, what others will do in your life, remember to always come back to the Lord. That's the amazing thing about his grace and his mercy. And so David, he wrote this psalm, Psalms 40. Um, and uh, you guys always have probably those titles in there uh, on the psalms. And this one in mine, uh, Bible says, Faith, Persevering, and Trial, which I actually really like that. Uh, I know River's been talking on the faith chapter of Hebrews 11, and uh, and so we're going to just get into it, and uh, and just I'm going to share as I go through this chapter, and we'll stop and talk a little bit. 
Um, but let's get into it right now. David starts in verse 1, I waited patiently for the Lord, and he inclined to me and heard my cry. He also brought me up out of a horrible pit, out of the miry clay, and set my feet upon a rock and established my steps. The first thing that I see as we get into this Psalms is he didn't just wait on the Lord, but he waited patiently or fervently. So many times we can be in a rush waiting on the Lord. Lord, hurry up. I'm waiting. I'm waiting for that answer. David understood, no, it's a fervent, a fervent heart and of a patient heart. One of, I'm trusting God in this time of waiting. So I have a heavy foot uh, when I drive. I'm just admitting that. So if I've ever tailgated you, I apologize. It really stinks when you have your company logos all over your vehicles, too. I forget that sometimes. So just in that, the, the attitude of just always going, 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 going. I have to get here. I, I, I literally did it coming actually tonight, coming back here. I was like, oh, my gosh, I think I'm actually going to be late, and I can't because I said I was teaching, and I can't call John because my phone, I can't use my phone because I'm locked out of it. And I was just getting all this stress. I'm like, at the end of it, I was like, I can't do anything. I mean, I, I just, I couldn't. I literally couldn't do anything. But we're such in a culture of pushing and going. And I know in different, you know, there's different seasons of our life where I'm sure, you know, there's some of you guys that are high school, college age kids you know you're you're as you get a little bit older you're gonna be you want to go and do and do and do and then you know i where i'm at in my life uh i'm not really sure where i'm at in my life but i know that it's the crazy part of life as well too with also raising crazy kids and being in the crazy part of life no offense children uh and then you guys as you get older i know there's different things you know retirement and i know you're still busy so ken's still busy but there's, there's seasons in our life, and I think as we are younger, you know, in uh, the middle of our life, it's just this pressure. And there's things that happen in life. There's trials and tragedies. And David here, he waited patiently for the Lord. And that's so hard to do in this day and age, is to wait patiently. I can wait because I'm forced to, but I'm usually not patient in it. And as he waited for the Lord, there's something that is even more, more important is he inclined to me and heard my cry. David was in a place in his life where he was in an anguished state of, Lord, I need you. Where are you? You know, I just talked to a brother this week, and he was on my heart, and I just shared a verse with him. And he shared with me, like, I'm in a really tough spot in my life right now. You know, I'm having a hard time believing the promises of God and that he's actually going to get us through this season. And, you know, I'm just, and he said, I'm just waiting, but I don't see it. You know, that's hard when we hear that from a friend or a Christian, you know, brother or sister, where you want to say, you know, hey, it's going to be okay. And they're going to be like, yes, I know, because I, my faith is in God. But the reality is our faith gets weak and we have a hard time waiting. We just, Lord, just, I'm crying out to you. Why aren't you answering? But in the midst of our waiting, we see that even the psalm said in another psalm, be still and know that I am God. It is a definitive, and if I could say, where he's saying, shut up. I know that's hard to hear, but sometimes he's saying, shut up, so I can let you know that I'm God. 
Andrew, you're always running your mouth. You're always talking. You're always trying to do this and that. If you would just be quiet, and in that stillness, you will even know the power of God. And David wrote of that. He understood that he was always going. And in that quietness, where you feel so helpless and hopeless at times, he inclines himself to us and hears our cry. And then we see in verse 2, he brought me up out of a horrible pit, out of the miry clay, and set my feet upon a rock and established my steps. So we see the difference between the pit that David was in, whether it be a physical pit, because I know Joseph was in a physical pit. Literally, the Lord had to get him out, not how he wanted. He got sold into slavery, as we know, but he was literally in a pit. And he was pulled out of it. But then there's also the emotional pits of life, the, the physical, the, the relationship pits that we can fall into. And, and David says, hey, but you are the one that pulled me out of this. See, it's in the midst of our brokenness, I think, that God has to allow us to be broken for us then to give the glory to God when we're pulled out of it. Because I'm very good at taking credit for when things are going. How I, look at what I did. Look at what I've done. But as we see this, he goes, and the opposite is the feet are set upon a rock of a stable, sure foundation. Jesus Christ, we know, is the cornerstone. The cornerstone of the foundation of the first stone being set is what kept everything square and right. So as they use the cornerstone piece, that is what would make everything be built upon. And so David says, you're the one that set my feet on the firm foundation. He is our rock. He has put a new song in my mouth, verse 3, in praise to our God. Many will see it in fear and will trust in the Lord. Do you see how quickly David goes from a place of being stuck and having to wait patiently for the Lord within three verses? Now he's out of that pit. He's on the rock. And now he's not only song there. He says, he's put a new song in my mouth. You may need a new song in your life right now. And I pray that you feel that and you sense that. If you are not waiting patiently, though, for the Lord and his answers, you may be singing the same old song over and over again. Because that's what happens. The ones that try to do things in their own strength. But not only did he have a new song in his mouth, he said, many will see it in fear and will trust in the Lord. David's heart was always to show the goodness of God. Hey, all you nations that are around us, you want to know who makes us great. It's not us, but it's God, the one in heaven. You need to trust him, fear him. And David had that heart. We know as we go in this, we'll see him share about that more, and I'll talk a little bit more on that. But in verse 4, it says, Blessed is that man who makes the Lord his trust, and does not respect the proud, nor such as turn aside to lies. Many, O Lord my God, are your wonderful works which you have done and your thoughts towards us cannot be recounted to you in order. Do you guys see the heart of David? He's saying, the Lord thinks upon me. I think so too often in church and in Christianity, religion creeps in in a way and we forget the basics. Like God is with you right now thinking about you throughout the days, years, and before you were born, he knew you. And so we, we go to church, we, we do these things, 
but it just becomes a tradition or I just got to do it. I was wanting to share this with you guys tonight as I was driving back in my craziness of not being still before I learned everything else. But we come to church or we should come to church, one, to have the fellowship of other brothers and sisters in the Lord to be encouraged in the word. We do not come to church to check it off. And I was talking to someone about this as well this week. I have found myself having a lot of different conversations this week. Some have been good. Some have been bad. I've had to repent on some. All the above. It's all happened. But one was about going to church. And, you know, why do we go to church? And I was sharing with with this brother, and we were talking about it, and uh, just about, you know, what makes people go? And I said, well, it's for me, I think it's just all different reasons that people decide to come, not go. You know, the music is too loud, too quiet, too long. Teaching's too long, too short. Didn't like how he looked, how she looked. I mean, right, we, like, get it so off course on our Christian walk about judging, oh, well, you know, I if they had that music up just a little bit more, it would have been better. Like, what are we thinking? We are so off base in how we judge why we're going to church. The music's too loud, I'm never going there again. I mean, I have family members that will say that. Not immediate, uh, but other family members. Not your kid, You kids are okay. Uh, but, I mean, I have siblings that live in other states, so they, they're, they're okay. They're not going to get mad at me. But would do that. I was always judgmental, and I find myself doing that. And as I look at this, and why I'm going to bring this around is, when you understand the heart of our Father and understand how much he loves you and thinks about you, all of a sudden you become filled with humility and grace and realize, you know why I come to church? Because I'm encouraged when I come together with other brothers and sisters that also are loved by God. We're all different. And yet we have the same father that thinks so much about us that we can't even understand all the thoughts he has because this cannot be recounted to you in order. I think some of you right now need to understand how valued you are in the Lord. And I think we forget that. We get so hard on ourselves in our Christian walk and just the do's and the don'ts. And sometimes we need to stop, like David did here, in a time of trial where he was able to say to himself, you know what, Lord, you're the one that pulled me out of this in the time where I'd be quiet and wait on you. You pulled me out of this pit and I also realize not only will I praise your name in front of others so others can come to trust you, but also you think about me all the time. Good thoughts. Thinking because I'm his son. You're his son and daughter. And when we start understanding the power of that, I also start realizing, oh, when I come to church, it's not to judge, critique, but it's to love others around me because my Father in heaven loves me. And that's how that unity comes together and and we don't have a heart of divisiveness. And I'm the first to admit, I've had to work through that in my Christian life. You know, I had a season, and I've had seasons, where it was more about looking at others instead of looking at myself and what God was trying to do through me. So David here is at a place of rejoicing. As he says, if I would declare and speak of them, they are more than can be numbered. So verse 6, sacrifice and offering you did not desire. My ears you have opened, burnt offering, sin offering you did not require. That sounds familiar, huh? Psalms 52, after he repented. 
And as he understood this also, we know in uh, in First uh, Samuel chapter 15, uh, King Saul. So King Saul, then King David, right? So Saul was before David. Saul was rejected by God. And so Saul, he refused to kill King Agag. You can look at that story. It's a, he was supposed to get rid of all of them, right? So they were the enemies of the Lord, and he refused. And he's like, hey, I'm doing pretty good. And Samuel comes and talks to him. And it's like, God doesn't care about the sacrifices when you're not honoring him with being obedient to what God's called you to do. King David understood the very same thing. I can offer all the sacrifices I want in the outward appearance. We can look the best Christians to everyone else, and yet God say, I know where your heart is, and I'm not going to be honored by that. Do you guys realize that? Your heart can be wicked. You can be defiant to God, and no one else knows. And God says, hey, I love you enough to let you know this outward appearance means nothing to me. Because Saul thought it would, and Saul came right to the point when the prophet came to him and said, this is not happening. You are rejected by God. You are no longer going to be the king of Israel. David, in the midst of his adulterous sin, in hiding it, all the sacrifices he would have made, God would have said, I know, I know your heart. None of this means anything to me if your heart's not right. It's amazing when our heart's right, the sacrifices of praise, all that. I mean, it's, it's powerful. But when our heart's not right, when we're being deceptive, when we're not being obedient to God, he says, Andrew, you can go to church every Sunday, every Thursday you want, every men's Bible study. You can do everything you want. But if your heart is not for me, this is futile. I think that's hard for us to hear sometimes as Christians because we're so consumed at times with our tradition, right? I was raised a Christian. Now, not all of us have been. But for me, I was raised since a little kid as a Christian. And so I think we have to look at it, where is your heart tonight? Where is my heart? Because David understood something. He understood that first it's the heart that God is after. Sacrifices can come after the heart is taken by God and taken captive. He says, My ears you have opened, this second part of verse 6, burnt offering and sin offering you did not require. Then I said, Behold, I come. In the scroll of the book it is written to me, I delight to do your will, O my God, and your law is within my heart. These are things that as I look at them myself, do I delight to do God's will? Or do I always fight and try to get away from his will? Going to that conversation about going to church, and I said, Do you... Do you not go to church sometimes because you know when you go to church, you'll be convicted of the things that God wants you to do? No, 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 that, that's not it. I'm like, that's usually what it is. Like with me, when I don't go to church, it's very easy to look at everyone else to make an excuse on why I'm not going. I don't like them. I don't like this. That's, that's not the real issue at hand, by the way. We all know that. The real issue is where's your heart with God? Because if, if you really boil it down, it's, I really just don't want to be in the assembly of the Lord. Because God knows your heart. Our heart's wicked and deceitful. <laughs> he knows how we can trick ourselves on not going to church. And so David here, as he is sharing these things, he's, he's letting me know, hey, I'm going to delight in doing the will of my father and your law is within my heart the word of god is it written on our heart 
does it have an effect where it comes to mind throughout the day as you're struggling or you're having a great time? Maybe you're rejoicing and the scripture is coming to you. Like, don't you love that? For those of us that understand that, like, you are just spending time with the Lord and he brings scripture to you. Or when you're struggling, he brings scripture to you because it's on your heart. Because you've been in the word. You can't have the word of God on your heart if you don't open up the word. And how often do we forsake opening up the word? I think it's something that is so easy to do, again, for our busy lives. To put it on the shelf or to only pick it up when we have to. And I'm at fault for that, too. I find myself being in the word a lot more when I have to teach. Because I have to teach. So I'm like, oh, well, I better know what I'm talking about. Because that's going to be bad if I don't. But do I pick up the word of God when I don't have to do something, but just because I want to be with him in the scriptures? Because it's the power to give us hope in life, in life ever after. It's life-saving. It's the life-saver for today. And so he's saying, hey, the Lord, I'm going to do his will the law is within his heart. He says, I, in verse 9, I have proclaimed the good news of righteousness in the great assembly. Indeed, I do not restrain my lips. O Lord, you yourself know I have not hidden your righteousness within my heart. I have declared your faithfulness and your salvation. I have not concealed your loving kindness and your truth from the great assembly. I just want to hit on this for a minute as well. Do you know what he's talking about? He is a witness for his God before everyone. He's not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. He understands it is the power to save others. And I wrote here, I don't even know when I wrote this, and I have terrible handwriting, so I had to look at it a little bit closer. But I wrote, unashamed as being a believer. Are you unashamed as being a believer in this world, or are we ashamed? Do you hide from it? For high school, in school, for kids, for college age, for young adults, do you guys, are you ashamed of the gospel or unashamed of the gospel? And I would tell you, do not be ashamed of the gospel because it is of your salvation. You are saved by the blood of Jesus Christ. And adults, older people, have you gotten where you've hardened your heart some or you've been, uh, well, when I was younger and I had all that drive, you're like, I remember, man, that spiritual mountaintop retreat. You know, I was like Moses coming off the hill, shining brightly. But that was a... You know, that was just a lot of emotion going on. That was just one of those, you know, summer camp retreats that really got to me. See, sometimes I get more worried about us as we get away from our youth than I am of the youth. I think the youth can have that zeal and that energy. But have you lost that? That being unashamed of the gospel where if you're around someone and they're maybe saying something about Christians or whatever, do you shrink away from it? Because you don't want conflict? Do you have people you're around at work? Do they know you're a Christian? I mean, I ask these questions to myself. Like, do the people at Paul Ministries know that I love Jesus Christ? Or is it just a farce? Like, I, I've learned in life, I, I'm, one thing the Lord has done in my brokenness has taught me, you better be real, because if you're not, I'm going to let people know who you really are. Because I love you enough. So I'm real. Andrew, am, am I, do people know I take a stand for Jesus Christ? And that doesn't mean you have to go around to everyone and, hey, do you know Jesus? Do you know Jesus? You know, that's not, that's not what I'm talking about. If God wants you to do that, that's great. But David was a king, and he let his nation know, hey, 
I am unashamed of who God is, and I will proclaim it among the assembly. And that's what he did. We see Apostle Paul and how he proclaimed it throughout the countries he was around. And Peter, and we see all these different men through the Bible that had struggled, that had fallen, and yet they would stand and say, but you know who keeps getting me back up is God or Jesus Christ. And so as a believer, I encourage all of us, don't hide your faith. Just be who you are. I, maybe there's a Billy Graham in here, I don't know. But that's Billy Graham. God created Billy Graham to be Billy Graham. And I think sometimes when you, when you hear that, hey, don't hide your faith, proclaim Jesus Christ. You're like, oh, well, I have to be like this person. Be who God created you to be. Because we are all different personalities, and all different personalities can reach different personalities others can't. But I know in the school system, having kids in the public school system, there's not a lot of Christians, or so it seems. Right? It seems that way. But I always think, what if all the kids in the public school system started to come together and proclaim Jesus Christ, right? If we did that, what if you did that and you took a stand for Jesus Christ in your classes, in the college age, in your job sites? What a powerful message that would be. And for all of us, if we were not to be ashamed of the gospel, but unashamed, and so I just look at this and say to myself, Andrew, are you walking it in a way where you truly understand the power of his salvation and of his grace and his love? Because if you don't understand that, you can easily hide. But when you truly understand that you are here because of his grace and his mercy for everything he did for us, not we did for him, why wouldn't you want to share about that to someone? You know, and I... I share with the guys at work. I have a lot of non-believers that work for me. And I have believers that work for me. But I will share with them when the opportunity presents itself. And I will tell you, some of them have shut me down very quickly. And I know I'm their boss, but they also know I'm a person that I don't come off like, well, if you don't love Jesus, you're fired. That definitely would be an oxymoron. (laughs) And so... (laughs) We, they understand, they can share that one thing about the group is there's that openness. But I always let them know, you know, one gal was having a hard day. I said, you know, well, she, or she went to a spiritual guru. It was funny. See, it's funny to me. I shouldn't laugh, but I'm a spiritual guru. I know one of those. His name's Jesus. <laughs> but he's actually the Savior. But she was talking about how she was really disappointed because she came back. She's like, I just thought I'd get so much more. Like, I spent all day with this lady, and I thought I would just, you know, come back with peace. I'm like, I got something for you. And she looked at me, and I was like, that's, that's uh, Jesus Christ, and do you need a Bible? And she's like, no, I do not want a Bible. I'm like, oh, my gosh. It's the hardness of the heart. She knows the truth. But I let it be, and I pray for her, and I pray for these uh, all of my employees. And, you know, the reality is, that is something where I could still proclaim, hey, it's Jesus Christ. That's, that's who you need. That's why you're not having peace. And I leave it at that. And I tell you, as we do those things, those are planting seeds in people's lives and in their heart that will get watered by another Christian that comes into their life. And you may never see any fruit of that conversation you had with this person, but God is the one to get all the glory, not us. And it could be 10 years down the road that finally that person says, oh my goodness, all these people that were put in my path, I finally understand 
I need Jesus Christ. And they get saved. So see, we don't have to take any of the credit. We just need to be faithful in letting people know, hey, I'm happy to be Christian. Like, are we, are we happy to be Christians? Is it a cool thing? Or like, uh, kind of, I don't know. I hope we're excited for it. I know where my strength comes from in my salvation, and that's only Jesus Christ. So David had the heart of, I'm going to not stop from talking about what Christ has done in my life. And boy, did he understand God's grace, didn't he? In his mercy. He understood, he understood his consequences and the scars of his sin, but more so, he understood of his mercy and grace. And he was able to cry out to the Lord amongst the assembly. He says in verse 11, Do not withhold your tender mercies from me, O Lord. Let your loving kindness and your truth continually preserve me. For innumerable evils have surrounded me, my iniquities have overtaken me, so that I am not able to look up. They are more than the hairs of my head, therefore my heart fails me. David, what are you doing? You were just like praising God, and now you're back to complaining? I don't think he was really complaining. I think he was having an up and down day like we all do. One moment, you're like, yes, God is so good. And then within like an hour, you're like, Lord, where are you? My heart's failing me. And that's the, this just, I love David's heart because he was real. It's like this guy shared what was ever on his heart. The one moment you're praising God, the next one you're saying, Lord, I can't get through this day without you. And the next one, oh, God is great. I'm going to share with everyone. And then the next minute you're back to innumerable evils have surrounded me. <laughs> that's okay. You know why it's okay? Because David was continually doing what? Through the good and the bad and the ugly, he was continually looking to God and talking to him through everything. See, that's what I think I would like to share tonight for myself. For us is, it's not about how good you're doing. It's really how good God is. It's really about you continually talking to God through the good, the bad, and the ugly of your life. It's that relationship. And when we have that relationship, see, God already knows what we do, right? God knows all your thoughts. He knows what we do in the dark. What? Yes. He sees all. <laughs> he knows all. And what's really amazing is he continues to love us all in the midst of that and in spite of us. Like, I'm telling you, I would never be a good God because I'd be like, oh, my gosh, I know what you just did, and now you're going to walk in that church? Are you kidding me? You are in trouble. You are not going to praise my name. <laughs> And God says, I'm going to love you through it as David continued to talk through all of these things in his life. See, I was raised in a strong church. I was raised in ways, and probably why I talk so much more about grace in his mercy in my life now is because I had that season of legalism, self-righteousness, and the fear of God in a way that was not right, where I felt I had to be perfect. And no one could see any of my faults or my weaknesses. Because if they did, then that would bring shame to me. And I share this because David was a man that was one of transparency for, the, for most of his life. Even in the midst of his darkest nights, he finally came back to God. Because God had a hold of his heart. He couldn't, he couldn't shake God. Isn't that awesome? He could not shake God. And I'll say the same for me. I could not shake God when I had a season in my life where I went from being legalistic 
and self-righteous to then doing the 180 and doing everything I said I would never do. And then I was stuck in this place of how can I ever come back to the Lord or come into a church when I've done everything that I, in a way, persecuted other people for doing. And God spoke to me through that. And God broke me and said, Andrew, you talk to me through anything. I am here with you. I remember crying for the Lord in that season of my life to leave me alone. I don't know if you've ever been there. It's not a good place to be. But I will tell you, by his grace, he did not leave me alone. Even when I said, just leave me, like I want to be free from this, like I've screwed up so many things so quickly. Guys, that's the God we serve. You need to know that. So one, you understand for your own life. So if you're right now in a place where you're struggling with someone that you think they're not living well or they're not being a good Christian, then talk to God about it. And let God reveal his heart to you about that. Most likely it's going to be he's going to show you your own heart, just letting you know. And then he'll work in your own heart to love that person. But it could be where you're struggling in your own walk. Talk to God about it. I mean, that's why I tell even non-believers, like, the cool thing about my God is I can talk to him about anything and come boldly before the throne of grace because of what his son did for me. I don't have to be afraid of him. I'm to honor him. I'm to be in awe of him. But God wants that communication. He wants you and me to be as David was. One minute he's crying out, he's in a, in a pit. Then he's rejoicing because God put him on a solid place, on a foundation. And then he's proclaiming his goodness to everyone, right? So Dave's like, he's on fire. He's like on the mountaintop experience going on. And then all of a sudden, I don't know what happened in his life here, but something happened. And then all of a sudden he says, Lord, innumerable evils have surrounded me. But he's saying, Lord, Lord, Lord. He's always talking to God through every situation. And in my seasons of living for the Lord, my seasons of self-righteousness and legalism, my seasons of sin, my seasons of brokenness, the amazing thing is as I keep talking with the Lord and waiting upon him, he renews my strength and he changes my heart more and more for him. David's at a point in his life where he says his heart's ready to fail him. Are you there? Have you been there? Where you say, Lord, I can't take anymore. I know the brother that I was texting. I mean, his text message was, and I'm so thankful for it. He was real with me. He's like, I can't, I don't know how much more I can take. And I didn't re reply back to him because instead I just prayed for him. Sometimes, you know, the text messages are great for, I just, I just gave one verse to this guy, and it, I mean, it like opened up. And my heart was, and I'm going to just pray because I, I cannot, there's no type of text message that this is going to, I can't. I just need to pray for him. Because his heart's failing him. You know, he, he's feeling the weight of the world. But I encouraged him by that verse, hey, what am I doing? I said, we're praying for you, even when you can't pray for yourself. The body of Christ is very powerful when it works right, huh? When you know others are lifting you up in prayer. So David's at that point, and he's still talking to the Lord. In verse 3, he says, be pleased, O Lord, to deliver me. O Lord, make haste to help me. So he's saying, Lord, please, I'm in that time of need. I need your help. 
Let them be ashamed and brought to mutual confusion who seek to destroy my life. Let them be driven backward and brought to dishonor who wish me evil. Let them be confounded because of their shame who say to me, aha, aha. David, knowing with King Saul, what David was going through with King Saul at the time in his life, uh, David had enemies that were after him. David had his own son that was after him. I mean, David had like a messed up family. If you've not looked at David's family and you think David was living the goody two-shoes of the Christian life, please go read about his family and David himself. There's no goody two-shoes going on there. That is a messed up family. So good news for all of us if you came from a messed up family or you're in one right now or you feel that way, good news. God uses you and your messed up family for his glory. I know sometimes we don't think that, but that's the reality. God uses broken people. He uses messed up families because those type of families and people, it makes us much all the more call upon the name of Jesus Christ. And so David was in a place and asking the Lord to deliver him from it. And that's not where this ends. Instead, he keeps on going in verse 16. Let all those who seek you rejoice and be glad in you. Let such as love your salvation say continually, the Lord be magnified. But I am poor and needy, yet the Lord thinks upon me. I love that verse. I put a star to it. I'm poor and needy. I'm a big baby. I need a lot of help. Yet, the Lord thinks upon Andrew. What? The Lord thinks upon me? Well, yeah, because I'm his. He created me. He created you. He th put your name in there. I don't know if you've ever done that. I used to do it all the time with the kids, and it's hilarious, by the way, when you put... Well, make sure you know what the verses you're using because sometimes it backfires but i would like with the kids and i used to do this all the time i haven't done it for a long time maybe i should uh but i would just put their names in that yet the lord thinks upon reina the lord thinks upon joseph upon jl upon olina and it has this effect like wait a minute no not just david this is the living word of god it's still alive and so the Lord's saying, this is not just a historical book. This book is still living. It's God-breathed, and God is speaking to us about this just as much, that he's saying, I am still thinking upon you. And David ends it with, you are my help and my deliverer. Do not delay, O my God. So tonight, as we are going to be closing, I just want to encourage us, as you're going through the trials of life, you may be going through a great season. Maybe you're having a great season. Remember to talk to God. If you're going through a really long and suffering season, remember to talk to the Lord. If you're going through some trial right now that is unbearable, where your heart's failing you, remember to talk to God and wait upon him. Because why? He has so many thoughts towards you. He is for you. He's not against you. And as I live each day and see how his grace and mercies are new every morning, I get humbled more and more and more because I, for whatever reason, can seem to see a lot of my stupid mistakes more and more. I cannot take any credit for doing anything good. I've accepted that. And I need to put my foot in my mouth like 20 times a day. And the Lord has just been one to 
keep me humbled. And I'm okay with that because what a blessing when we don't take the credit for anything good we do. I'm not saying to be, you know, weird about it. You know, don't make yourself don't make yourself proud in your humility. You guys already know what that is? Like that definitely I was like, oh man, the Lord is just he's humbling me so much and I've just been so broken before him. Like you'd say it in a way where it's a blessing to hear, or like me, where it's like, I feel like you're wanting attention, Andrew. What are you doing? No, I'm saying in this way, as we go before the Lord in humility and walk with him day by day, as we do that in whatever season you're in, listen, your relationship, this is what's awesome, will be continually growing stronger with the Lord because your communication, like in any relationship, the more you communicate, the more you know each other. The less you communicate, what happens? Rifts happen. I know this by experience. We all know this by experience. Not just me. All of a sudden, I felt like everyone just stared at me like, what's going on, Andrew? Nothing's going on. We're doing good. She's coming back from a doctor's appointment with Alina. Okay? So, but that's what happens when we don't communicate. Rifts happen. Hardness of a heart happens. And with God, his heart doesn't harden. Our heart hardens. Our faith wavers because we're now trying to do it in our own strength. Our coming to church starts to become less and less and less. Not because Sally is annoying, but because our heart's being hardened of our own desires. And that's something I shared with this brother. Is the reality is it's you. You know, there's always an easy way to find fault in churches. It is so easy. But if you are walking with your Lord humbly each and every day, and you are talking with him, waiting upon him, sharing your good, your bad, and ugly stories with him, because he already knows all of them, that relationship is actually getting stronger even in the midst of your trial or your misery. Because what are you doing? You're continually looking up to the one and only true doctor, the one and true only king, Jesus Christ, who actually has the ability to heal you from head to toe in your mind, in your heart, in your body. And so as we close tonight, remember this, the Lord thinks upon you. If you felt like you have no one thinks on you or you've had that season, like, am I forgotten? Hey, I'd rather be forgotten by this entire world and yet have Jesus Christ still remember me. That's a true statement. He's my salvation. He's my savior. He's my friend. And he's my king. So he thinks upon you and me. Continue to wait on him. Continue to talk with him. Whether you're doing good, great, bad, ugly, anything at all, keep the relationship strong with him because he will take you where you're at. He's not going to reject you. So, Father, we come before you tonight. I thank you for King David in his heart, a man who was not even close to being perfect, and yet we see how he was perfected through your love, your mercy, your forgiveness. We see even in Psalms 40 how he started out being in a pit to being lifted up, to proclaiming the goodness of you to amongst the assembly, to feeling a heavy heart again, and to the point where his heart was failing him. And yet he didn't stop there. He continued to talk to you and cry out to you to save him and to deliver him. And at the end we get to see how he spoke of a God that thought highly about him, a God that he had a relationship with. 
And so, Lord, I pray for us tonight as we go tonight to our homes. We would be reminded and encouraged that we have a God in heaven, a Savior, that has thought so much about us that we can't even keep them numbered. Thoughts and blessings, knowing the will you have for our life. The good. You're not a God looking at the faults in our lives and then thinking evil of us. Because the reality is this song, even as we sing it, you are a good, good father. And so I pray as we go tonight, we would never allow any circumstance to break our communication line with our Savior, the one that can save us out of anything. May you be one to speak to us as we leave here. And even in the morning and the next day, each and every day, our relationship would be strong with you as you speak to us and as we wait on you. And we just pray all these things in your name. Amen.